Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Are y'all ready for the Mother's Day message today? Are you ready? Well, Carrie, Carrie and I decided that this Mother's Day, one of our younger mothers, one of our uh, staff, Matt and Carla, stand up, Matt and Carla. Y'all, they're the pastors here over not only the uh, not only the arena, but really all of our city churches. And so we wanted Carla to bring the word today on Mother's Day. So come on up, Carla. Y'all give her a hand. Come on, all of our locations. Give Carla a big, big hand. They do such a great job. Pastor, happy Mother's Day to everybody. The, the little boy that made me a mom is sitting over there. That's Baze, my seven. He's, he'll be seven on Tuesday. So we always share this season. It's real fun. Um, my, my other little one, um, who will be four in June, he is in see kids because he would talk the whole time, right? And so we couldn't, we couldn't allow him to come in. Everybody doing good today? Yeah? Well, let me honor a couple moms that I have here. My mom is here. I see her right there. Wave, mom. And then my mother-in-law is here. And my mother-in-law's mom is here, who we call Gran. She's here too. So we have lots of moms to celebrate today. And um, I'm excited to share with you guys, you know, God has really, um, I believe he's given me this word for you. And when he gave me this word, I kind of fought with him a little bit, to be honest, because once he dropped it on my heart, I said, God, this doesn't really feel like a Mother's Day message. And he said, I know, it's because it's for everyone. So this is my disclaimer to you, men or non-moms in here, if you are not a mom, this is not your excuse to check out. This mother is not just for mom, this message is not just for moms, it's for everyone, good? All right, why don't we pray and we're gonna dive in. Lord, we just love you. God, we thank you and we honor you as our king today. We're just so humbled and and excited to be in your house. And so Lord, would you speak to us today? Would you open up our hearts, God, as we lean into your word, as we read your scriptures, God, would you reveal more of yourself to us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, well, let me ask you guys a question. Has anybody felt like you've been kind of like under attack at some point? Not like literally like you're in a, in a war and people are shooting at you, but like, like you've just been attacked. Maybe it's with words. Maybe people have kind of come at you. Maybe they've bashed you a little bit. Maybe they've made fun of you. Maybe they've, um, I don't know, they've kind of pushed you down, whatever stage you were at in life. Maybe they wanted to kind of elevate into a position so they kind of pushed you down. Anybody? Has that been anybody? Yes? If, it's, if you haven't raised your hand, it's probably because you're just not being honest, right? This has all been us. At some point in our life, we have felt an attack of some sort. And um, I, wanna, I wanna pull up um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And um, we're gonna start in verse nine. This is what we see happening to Paul right now. So Paul, he's been given this assignment by the Lord to, to reach and to preach the gospel and to reach people for Jesus, right? And so he goes to the Corinthians, the church of Corinth, and he's been ministering to them. But then they kind of start poking fun at him and they kind of start bashing him. And we, we see this in verse nine where we pick up, it says, I, Paul, do not wanna appear to be frightening you with my letters. <laughs> So they've literally been telling, telling him that you're frightening, with, you're frightening us. For they say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Youch. Like imagine if, if that was said to you. 
Like your letters are great, you're writing, really good job. But man, when you're in person, yeah, you're a little cheesy. A little cheesy, not really the best. You know, that's what they're saying to Paul. Like imagine how that made Paul feel, right? And then it goes on, he kind of feels like he's gotta defend himself a little bit. And we see that in verse 11, it says, let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. So he's saying, look, I understand you're saying this about me, but I am, I, I'm, I'm the same in my letters that, that I am in person. So I don't know why you're gonna do that. And I, I feel like right here, he feels like he's gotta kind of defend himself because he knows what we're about to read. He knows that when you get kind of poked at, when you get attacked, when you get, you know, somebody makes fun of you, somebody says something negative to you, it can very easily lead itself to comparison. You can kind of fall into this comparison slope, right? And Paul knows that. And so he, he, he brings that up and he corrects them in verse 12. It says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. I want you to catch that. They are without understanding. Paul understood something here that I want us to understand today. He said they're without understanding. So let's think about what happens whenever you compare, whenever somebody you know, verbally comes at you, they poke fun at you, you start to naturally compare yourself. Oh, well, you're right. I mean, I, I probably am not good at that. I probably should speak better. Or I probably should sing better. Or I probably should project manage better. Or I probably should be a better mom and make the homemade cookies for the class. Whatever it might be, right? You start to compare yourself. But in that moment when you're comparing, what happens? Whatever you were doing, whatever you were supposed to be doing in that moment, you kind of stop doing. You stall, for lack of better words, and you compare. And you wanna know a secret about stalling that I've found to be true? It's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to stall you. If he can stall you, then you are no longer an active asset for the kingdom. What you are, you're, not, you're no longer fighting against him. You're just stalled. You're stalled out. And Paul understood that and so he corrected that but what is it that he understood? What did he know that he was trying to teach the Corinthians? And I wanna jump back up to verse three. And he says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. He knew what the fight was really about. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Paul knew what the battle was about because he understood the whole story. He understood the whole story. And this is the first thing that I feel like God wants to do to us today. He wants us to understand the whole story and insert ourselves into it. So let me just kind of unpack. So we've heard the term, the whole story. Pastor just talked about the Bible reading plan. The whole story is not just a Bible reading plan. <laughs> the whole story is literally the story of the Bible. It's the story of our King, right? And we've been talking lots about this, but let me just break it down for those of you that might be new today. Let me break this down in the simplest of, of terms. So, you know, God actually existed before the earth, right? Everybody knows that. But let's just pick up in, in Eden. So he creates the earth, he creates Eden. And what does he say? He said he wants a human family. He's got a supernatural family that he's already created. And he wants a human family. So he creates 
the world. He creates Adam and Eve in his image, and it's awesome. They're communing with God. They're one with God. They're made in his image. But then sin creeps in, right? Sin creeps in, and they get booted out of the garden. And then lots of stuff happens, right? And then you get to the Tower of Babel, and then all the nations are disinherited. And then the Lord comes back on the scene, and he says, you know what? I'm going to redeem the humans that I created through a new line of people. That's the Israelites, through Abraham, right? So then he goes through that whole process, but then all the covenants that he gives, we just keep falling away. We just keep, we keep messing up. And then Jesus comes, pastor talked about this last week in an incredible message. He comes what? In the form of an incorruptible seed. In the Virgin Mary, he becomes man, he takes on flesh, but he's, he's blameless, he's spotless, he's perfect. And so the price he pays on the cross, what? It atones for all of our sins. It washes us completely clean. He says, I'm gonna silence your accuser once and for all, right? And he pays that price. But then what happens? He ascends back up into heaven, right? And he leaves us with a charge, doesn't he? He leaves us with a charge and he says, what? Go and and preach to the nations, bring the gospel to people, baptize them in my name, right? That's the abridged version. (laughs) Okay, He, he leaves us there. And then what happens? We read in Revelation, which is yet to come, that he's gonna come back, right? So we've got this giant story, okay? But this is what I feel like we often do. We've got this story and it's across this whole span and we read about it and we hear about it on Sundays and we believe in it, right? We teach our kids it, but we stand back here and we focus on the frustration from this person and the comparison with this person, and I'm not good enough in this area, and I'll never be a good mom in this area. And you're right, I'm not a good project manager. They should deserve that job over me. You're focused on all of this instead of actually stepping in to the story. There is so much more, right? And Paul knew this, he understood so much more and he was trying to teach this here. And how often do we just allow the enemy to side, side rail us, to stall us and we don't insert ourselves into the whole story. Do you guys have the picture of the cup? Y'all put the picture of the cup up. Okay, everybody see this black goblet cup? Everybody see that? Yeah? Everybody, yes? Okay, does anybody see the two white faces? Okay, all right. I want you to remember this picture because this is the thing. Many times when you just first look at this picture, you see a black cup. But the two white faces were there all, the, all along. The whole story of Jesus, it's here all along. But if you don't choose to actually see the big picture of this whole story and step into it, you're gonna live with a partial view of what's actually happening, okay? <laughs> All right, y'all with me? (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna take a sip of water. (laughs) This is hard up here. Okay. The second thing that I wanna talk about is um, now that you've, you've understood the whole story, you understand that it's so important to insert yourself into the whole story, you've gotta understand who you are in the story. Because if you don't understand who you are in the story, you'll never be able to fight in the story. You'll never be able to take ground in the story if you don't understand who you are in that story. So I just wanna breeze through a couple of scriptures that talk about who you are. Hopefully these are familiar to you. And if they're not, then I hope that as you hear them for the first time, God's gonna reveal himself to you. But let's start in Genesis 127. 
It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What does this mean? You are made in the image of God. (laughs) You are literally made in his image. When he created you, he stuck his image on you. You are like God. That's a big deal. (laughs) That's a really big deal. Second scripture, Ephesians 4, 24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So what is it talking about here? Well, remember you were originally made in God's image, but then you fell away. So whenever Jesus atoned for your sins once and for all, and you put on that new nature, it says here, it was created to be like God. Original, his original intent was to create you to be just like him. So now through the blood of Jesus, you can actually put on that new nature, which was originally created to be like him. And what does that make you? Truly righteous and holy. You're truly righteous and holy. Again, that's a big deal. We just don't, we don't see it and we definitely don't operate in it all the time, right? All right, let's go to Ephesians 2, one through six. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, I love the but gods, but God being rich in in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is what I want you to catch. In verse uh, five and a half, if you wanna say that. What it does not say is by grace you have been saved and when you die, you will be raised up and seated with him in heavenly places. It actually doesn't say that. (laughs) What it does say is he's raised us up with him right now and seated us with him in heavenly places. And so I want you to try to get this image in your mind. I understand we live on earth. I'm not crazy. I understand our bodies are here. But when you put on that new nature in Christ Jesus and you're made truly righteous and holy, it is like your spirit is literally seated with him in heavenly places. That is what that means. That's what the scripture is saying here. But this is what happens. We live back here and we forfeit our seat. We forfeit our spiritual seat because we have a job and a role and a fight in this whole story. It's a real story and it's still alive and it's still happening, but we forfeit our seat and we stand back here instead of stepping into it. Are y'all following me? Okay, so let's go all the way to Revelations now. Revelations 21, two through three. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. That's what we're fighting for. So the portion of our story that we're in right here, that revelation scripture is over here and we're waiting for it to happen. So if we insert ourselves into the story right here, we're fighting for that. We're fighting to see that come. That's a big deal, y'all. 
But we've gotta see ourselves in this. We've gotta see ourselves as, as a part of it. And so now that we understand who we are in the story, we now have to understand how to fight in the story because there is a job at hand. There is something to do. We're not just here. We're not just reading about it. We should be actively living it. So how do we do that? Because what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians where we started was that we have these divine weapons of warfare. So what are these divine weapons of warfare? I will tell you, thank you for asking. It is the armor of God, yes? It's the armor of God. So let's pick up in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, and then I'm gonna unpack this armor, okay? Okay, uh, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. There's your tie into 2 Corinthians, okay? But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Anybody wanna stand firm? Yeah? Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, you already to unpack the armor? You gotta know what you have to fight, right? We know who we are in the story. We know we've gotta insert ourselves into this story, but what do we do once we do that? Well, how do we fight? What do we use, right? God's given us this armor and many times we just lay it aside. We just stick it over here and we step all the way back, right? But we wanna step into it and we wanna put it on. So the first piece of the armor is the belt of truth. And I can tell you growing up, this always kind of threw me because my mom who's sitting over there, she would pray this prayer about the armor of God over us every single day as we went to school. I can still pray it to this day. I pray it over my boys. I could say it super, super fast. Y'all think I talk fast now? I could say this prayer so fast. <laughs> but the prayer started with the helmet of salvation, which kind of made sense, because then it's like you get dressed, you know? But the scripture starts with the belt of truth. And so as I grew up, I kind of just thought, why does the scripture start here, but the prayer and the songs, you know, all the little songs you sing as a kid, they start with the helmet. So I started to research this. And the cool thing about the belt, so the belt is a very integral part of a soldier's armor. And what it does is it holds up the breastplate and it houses the sword. So if you don't have a belt, you actually can't have a breastplate and you'll have to carry your sword all the time and your arms will get very tired. So army commanders back then, they would actually instruct their soldiers, go and cut off your enemy's belt because they knew if they could cut off the belt, they'd lose their chest protection and they'd get weary from holding their sword all the time. And so now that we know that, how cool is it to know that the belt is tied to truth? Because truth, that God is who he says he is, he is the God who was, who is, and who is to come, that truth is what starts our armor. And if we don't have that truth, if we don't believe in that truth, the rest of the armor is null and void. It's null and void. It starts with the truth. But then right after that comes the breastplate of righteousness. 
So see, it starts with the truth. We have to actually believe that God is who he says he is. But now he puts on this breastplate of righteousness. What did we read in Ephesians 4? Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Once we believe the truth in God, he then makes us righteous. By the blood of his lamb, by the blood of, what am I saying? By his blood, by the blood of the lamb. That's what I was trying to get at. We are made truly righteous. We are, and we receive that breastplate of righteousness after we first believe with the belt of truth. It all starts with that. He has atoned for us once and for all, and he's made us righteous and holy. We read about these things, but we've gotta start to understand them. We've gotta start to insert ourselves into them, right? Okay, so then it goes on to the shoes. It says the readiness of the gospel of peace. This one always tripped me up for whatever reason. The readiness of the gospel of peace. So readiness just means willingness. So it's the willingness of the gospel of peace. So I wanna bring you to a scripture in Colossians. I don't think they have it up here, but it's um, chapter one, verse 20, if you wanna write, write it down. It says, and through him, that's Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So I want you to tie peace, the readiness of the gospel of peace to reconciliation. See, he, he reconciled once and for all on that cross a, a, a vertical reconciliation with our Father and a horizontal reconciliation with others. So when it says that we have the readiness of the gospel of peace, it means that we are ready and willing to bring reconciliation wherever we go. We are essentially imaging what our Father did for us. That's what that means. Now the shoes back then, they actually had spikes on them. Isn't that cool? And so the spikes, they were meant to stand firm, but they were also meant to take ground. So think about the Great Commission, right? To go and preach the gospel, baptize it, right? When, when, you're, when you're taking ground with your shoes, which are the readiness of the gospel of peace, you are being an agent of reconciliation and you are an asset in the kingdom. You are actually aiding in the whole story when you do that with the shoes that God gave you the whole time. Okay, y'all tracking with me so far? All right, let's see here. Let me turn my page. Okay, so now we're gonna go on to the shield of faith. This says, which is able to extinguish the flaming arrows or darts of the evil one. So the shield back then, it was wrapped in leather, wrapped in leather. And then before um, a battle, they would soak it in water. And because that they knew their enemies would have flaming arrows. And so whenever he talks about that, he's not just talking about the actual enemy, right, the devil, but he's talking about, he's relating this to an actual war where they would have flaming arrows thrown at them, but they would soak that in water. So whenever the, whenever the arrows would come, it would just fizzle out the arrow, the shield, which was soaked in water would fizzle out the arrow. So I want you to kind of get this picture in your mind. If you're a soldier, pretend you're the soldier and you've got these spikes in your shoes and you've got this soaked shield and you're taking ground, and as you take ground, everything that's thrown your way is just pop, it just falls off, 
and you're just, you're able to keep walking forward the whole entire time. And so when you think back to 2 Corinthians, where Paul was, was correcting the, the, the church there and saying, don't get sidelined, don't get stalled by comparison, don't fall into this trap. No, you have shoes that allow you to keep walking forward. You have a shield that's gonna knock those comments off and you're gonna actually be able to keep walking. God has given you all these great things, but we don't access them. For whatever reason, we don't access them. And so we, we aren't an agent of reconciliation and we stand back here and we don't see the whole picture. We don't understand that we have an active role in the story that is still happening today. It's not an old Bible. It's a living Bible. It's real. And we're a part of it. He's called us for whatever reason to be a part of it. What an honor, a king, the God who literally was, is, and is to come has invited us to be a part of his story. How, who were we not to accept? To not accept that honor, that is sobering. So let's talk about the helmet of salvation. <clears throat> All right, I want you to think about Salvation is kind of when you enter into the story, right? You get saved, you pledge your loyalty to Jesus and what happens? He marks you. And I love that salvation is tied to a helmet. I want you to think about that priestly blessing that pastor prays over us every single service. And at the end of that, it's in number six, but at the end of it, it says, so shall I put my name upon the people of Israel. When you get saved, he marks you with his name. It also talks about in Revelations, it says how the servants of our God have seals on their forehead. I want you to think about the helmet. It's almost like your seal. And I love that it's a helmet because what happens in this life, our mind, it just goes 90 to nothing. And we start getting down on ourselves, and we're insecure about this and we worry about this and we're fearful about this and we regret this and you know, we're upset about this and our, it all starts in here. I don't know if any of you guys have done the 21 day of freedom with Jimmy Evans that we do here. It's incredible, you guys know. And, it's so, and it, he talks about that, right? Because it's such, a, it's such an important thing. What happens in your mind, it can determine a lot. And so that's why your salvation is depicted as a helmet. But this is the deal. Even though he has sealed you, he has marked you, I just want you to process, he's not the only one that can see that mark. The enemy can see it. Other people in this world can see it. And so you're gonna be marked because of that, because of that mark. So you just need to know that. You need to know that things are gonna come at you. The enemy's gonna throw a fiery dart. Thank God you've got your shield. Somebody's gonna come at you and you're gonna fall into comparison. Thank God you've got your shoes that are agents of reconciliation. It's gonna happen, you're marked. And it's an amazing mark, but other people see it too. And you just know that, you gotta teach your kids that. They're, something's gonna happen at school, it's life. But you know what, they're marked and their minds are gonna be protected with that helmet of salvation and they have every piece of armor that they need to walk this out, amen? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna ask um, the band, if you guys wanna go ahead and come up and I wanna talk about the last one, which is the sword of the spirit. This is my favorite one. So the sword of the spirit, it's your only offensive weapon. So everything we've talked about, 
up until this point, it's defensive, right? You're holding your ground, you're fighting stuff off, you're protecting whatever it might be. This is your only offensive weapon. And so when you dig into that, it says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So naturally I'm, I, I like to research words. I like to understand what the word means because I feel like if I can understand what the word means then I'm gonna get a better context around it. So anytime the Bible talks about the word of God, typically that word word, it's tied to either a word called rhema, which is the spoken word of God or logos, which is the written word of God. And so here in this passage is talking about the spoken word of God. That word word is tied to rhema, okay? But I wanna bring you to John 1, one through five. Pastor read this scripture last week and it hit me like a ton of bricks. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word was God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Your sword is God. That's why he only gave you one offensive weapon. You don't need any other weapon. You, your weapon is God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, every part of him, his spoken word, his written word, that's your weapon. Isn't that amazing? That is your weapon. You don't need any other weapon. I don't know about you guys, but that's the only weapon I ever want. I don't wanna be sidelined and use my words as a weapon or my frustrations or insecurities as a weapon. I wanna step into this story and I wanna use him as my weapon because he is my only weapon, amen? So why don't you guys just stand? We're gonna stand. Like Pastor said, we're gonna get you guys out on time for a Mother's Day lunch after you just learned how to fight. <laughs> Sorry, that was God, it wasn't me. I didn't come up with this. <laughs> but um, this is what I wanna do. If you just wanna bow your heads right here. And I just wanna ask a simple question. I just wanna ask, if this message, as I was speaking, if the Holy Spirit, you know, you feel those Holy Spirit jabs, like you just feel it in your gut. Like, oh, He's speaking to me. Yes, that's me. <laughs> and if you felt that, and if you, if you just would say, you know what, Carla, I wanna step into this whole story. I've been on the sidelines. I haven't accepted who I am. I haven't understood how to fight. I haven't understood what God has given me to use to fight. And I wanna say no longer. I wanna say today, I wanna step in. I wanna be an active participator in this whole story. And if that's you, I just would ask you, would you just raise your hand? I just want you to raise your hand. All the campuses, anybody at Orange Park, anybody at JC, if you wanna be an active participant in this story, you wanna receive that armor, you wanna receive your identity in Christ Jesus that you have, just keep your hands raised. And we're just gonna pray. I'm just gonna pray over you guys and then pastor's gonna come up. God, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you for your armor. And I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are the word. 
You are our only offensive weapon. And God, right now, every single person that has lifted their hand and they've said, I wanna be an active participant, God, would you give them boldness? God, today as they walk out, I pray that literally they would feel the armor of God begin to come on them. God, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. God, let them be agents of reconciliation in their workplaces, in their home, wherever you lead them, God. It's so not about what we have in this world. It's all about what we're doing in the middle of this story, waiting for our King to come back. So God, we faithfully step up into your army. You are our King and we are your people. And we accept that calling today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org. 